So if you're uh, joining with us for the first time here, uh, we've been going through a series in Mark and we've been looking at um, how Jesus discipled uh, his disciples and his approach to discipling. And what we are looking at this morning is what I believe the primary and the first calling we have as a disciple. Now, before we get to uh, our passage in Mark this morning, I just want to look at a passage in uh, Matthew. So it's Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. It's on the screen um, or go there in your Bibles. So it says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. It's not really a nice lighthearted passage to begin with this morning, but it's one of the most boldest um, warnings that we find in Matthew's gospel and I think it sets something up really really important for us today and here what we see Jesus doing is he's distinguishing between a true disciple and a false disciple and it's a heavy passage but it's essential that we understand the heart of what Jesus is saying here. So what we read is it's possible for someone to make an open profession of faith Lord Lord yet not actually know the Lord. It's possible for someone to prophesy, yet not know the Lord. It's possible for someone to engage in supernatural activity, to cast out demons, yet not have a relationship with the Lord. And there's something really key in this passage. Jesus' comment of, I never knew you, shows that he did not have a relationship with that person. So doing without a relationship is religion. And the scary thing is, and the warning in this passage, is that religion can take you pretty far. You can preach, you can cast out demons, you can prophesy. But that is not what the Lord wants. His statement of I never knew you is I never had a relationship with you. There's not that heart, that heart piece is missing. And you know, religion can take you so far, but what this passage tells us is it won't take you far enough. It doesn't take you where you need to be. And so what this passage encourages me to to ask in my life is do I enjoy the Holy Spirit outside of the ministry setting? When it's just me and him, when I'm just alone with him. Um, And, you know, if we are only trying to be used by him to be involved in ministry, that's not a relationship. That's not a relationship compelled um, by love. That's being driven by the satisfaction of being used to do something. And so this passage kind of leads us with a bit of a, well, you know, what is it about this relationship that God wants from us? What does he desire? And it's our passage this morning in Mark that I believe reveals the heart of what it is that that God wants. So Mark chapter 12, verse 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? 
the most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, no one dared to ask him any more questions. I just want to look towards the end of this passage at verse 33 to begin with. So the teacher of the law is repeating back kind of his understanding to Jesus to kind of check if he's understood what Jesus has said correctly. And he says in verse 33, to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And that's the key, is more important. There is nothing more important. No sacrifice, no ministry, no offering, nothing than loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and your mind Now, and loving your neighbour as yourself. Now, we can do these things as a way to display our love for God, but it has to come from an overflow of our affection and our love for God. So to give you an example, Andrew makes me a coffee every single morning um, and like a proper coffee as well, like a flat white. He was a barista and without fail, he makes me that every morning unless he's away. It's a pretty good, pretty good deal. Um, he often also will get up um, in the morning and give Joey her bottle so I can have a little bit extra in bed. And so that's his offering to me. Now, if Andrew did those things yet his heart was far away from me or he didn't love me, do you think those things would have much value? No, they lose their value. They lose their worth. And um, you often hear of couples who um, have fallen out of love and they stay together um, for the sake of their children and they kind of go through the motions of marriage. And then often, you know, that doesn't, that's not enough. And those relationships end up, um, you know, falling apart. And that's because... It's inbuilt in us to love and to receive love. And if God is love and we are made in his image, um, then he requires and he desires that of us. And that's why we have passages um, like in 1 Corinthians 13, when it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give, give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, but do not have love, I gain nothing." Love is the cornerstone. It is absolutely everything. Everything loses its meaning, its value, its purpose without love. And that's why at the end of that passage it says, when everything else passes away, when all other things fade away, these are what remain, faith, hope and love, but the greatest one of these is love. Um, in verse 29 in the passage in, in Mark, um, Jesus says that there is nothing more important than this. There is nothing more important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
your soul, your strength, your mind. So the first part of our, our calling as a disciple of Jesus is intimacy with Jesus. It's intimacy with Jesus. Why? Because all of our fruitfulness, our capacity to bear fruit flows from intimacy. Um, and an intimate relationship with someone is knowing someone deeply and being known by someone. It's built on trust. And so to find the capacity to love, to develop that intimate relationship with Jesus, we have to position ourselves in the presence of the one who is love. It's the only way. If we want to, this is a big call to love God with everything. And the only way that we're able to do that is to actually position ourselves in the presence of God because he is love. And the fact that we are to love him with all of our heart, every little part of us, shows that he wants all of us. And so there's this daily yielding of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, everything to God. And what I'm finding is every time I position myself in the presence of God, when I'm alone with him, I leave with a little bit um, less of me and a little bit more of him. Uh, Heidi Baker, uh, some of you may have heard of her, but I believe she's someone um, who lives out the calling of Mark 12 in a really beautiful way. Uh, her and her husband, Roland, they run a, a missionary organisation called Iris Global. And to give you a, a sense of the impact that this organisation has had, they have um, 20, um, 30 bases in 20 different nations. They feed over 10,000 people a day, the organisation. Um, they have more than 10,000 churches. They have Bible schools, primary and secondary schools, vocational training schools. They've seen thousands of healings, thousands of miracles. They've seen over 100 people raised from the dead. They have child sponsorship programs. They have church planting programs. They have children's centres. They're literally transforming nations, and in particular, the nation of Mozambique, which Heidi has a particular, um, I think, anointing to bless. But I want to read you a quote from Heidi because it'll give you a sense of her heart and where some of that fruitfulness stems from. She says this, There is no shortcut to being full of the Holy Spirit. The only way we can be close to him is to spend time with him. We can't be close to him any other way. We can't just say, I'm going to have a radical experience and it's going to carry me for a year. Relationships don't work like that. If you're a friend of Holy Spirit, he wants time with you. Jesus wants our love. He wants our love and we show him our love by choosing a relationship with him. I was listening to one of her um, sermons from ages ago on Friday night and she said, you know, to cope, to just function in her day because she's got so many people like flooding to her to be prayed for and all the different ministries she's involved in. She's like, just to function out of peace and, and love and joy. She's like, I need about four or five hours a day with God. And I was like, whoa. And she's like, so I have to get up really early. I'm like, oh, no. Like, there's, she's like, there's no other way. I have to get up early. It's the only way I can function. And, you know, that's not to make us feel guilty or shameful, but to inspire us about just the rapid fruitfulness that she's seen from trusting God with her time and prioritising intimacy with Jesus above everything else because everything else flows from that place. 
she then goes on to say, we were created to breathe in his, his realm. We can be permanently immersed in the glory of his love. We simply have to drown. God is looking for a people he can so immerse in his love that for the rest of their lives they will have to survive inside his heart. Nothing else will matter to them. We have been given the greatest uh, gift and treasure of all, which is the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of Jesus that dwells within us and it's the Holy Spirit that pours out the love of God into our hearts that gives us the capacity to love God. Why would God trust us with more influence and ministry and favour if we can't steward that gift well? That's what we have to focus on. That's what we have to prioritise. Because if we don't spend time with him, we're not positioning ourselves to grow in love for him. Um, So to find the capacity to love, which is the second commandment, and to love God and to love others, we must position ourselves um, in the presence of the one who is love. This year, uh, God has been teaching me again what it looks like to spend time in his presence and um, I just needed to ask God the question again, like what does it look like to come into your presence in the secret place when no one is looking, um, when it's just alone, when I'm just alone with with him. And um, I felt the Holy Spirit asking me this question and um, I found it really, really convicting. but it, the question was, when was the last time that you spent, when was the last time that your time with the Father was spent purely expressing your love and your adoration and praise for God? Whether that's through worship or dance or prayer or praying in tongues. And God's kind of taken me on a journey this year from seeing that, um, that quiet time with God to be less about receiving and more about giving. Now, the funny thing and the beauty of God is as you give, you often receive. But he's kind of shifted my mindset a little bit that when I have those times alone with God, do I view that as something like I am giving um, my worship and my praise to him? Psalm 100 um, says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so Jesus has been teaching me that okay, if, you, if you want to come into my presence, do that in praise and worship, that that time with him is my adoration and my worship to him. And as I do that, I find myself being filled with his love, filled with his presence. And there's a church called um, Upper Room, which some of you may have heard of. We sing some of their songs and Andrew may have spoken about them before. Um, But they put some language around this that really, really helped me. Um, when we spend time in praise and thanks to God, what we are doing is we're actually ministering to the Lord. We're ministering to him. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, like, can you minister to the Lord? Because the Lord is all sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us, does he? But the thing is that he desires that. He desires that. His heart wants that. That's why he sent Jesus to mend that relationship, to be with us um, in that relationship. He doesn't need anything from us, but he desires it from us. And um, when I had to ask myself the question again, like when I'm in the secret place with God, do I believe that his heart can be moved, that his heart can be stirred, that my prayers 
means something, that my worship um, appeals to the heart of God. Um, because I think sometimes we're led to believe that we can't have any effect on the heart of God. And that the sovereignty of God just means his mind's made up and that's it. And so my prayers just, I'm just there and it kind of doesn't mean anything. But, you know, in James 2 verse 16, it tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. There's something about the righteousness of God's children that moves his heart. And it gives the example in that passage of Elijah when he didn't pray for rain and when he did pray for rain. And I think we need to be stirred again that there is something powerful and beautiful that we can stir and move the heart of God, that we are bringing something that gives him pleasure and joy when we come to him alone and we worship and we praise him. Um, In the Old Testament, we know that God's presence dwelled within the temple. And in Ezekiel 44, it talks about the Levitical priest coming to him and God says that these priests will minister before me. Now, this side of Jesus's death and resurrection, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, not in the temple, and we are now called the Holy Priesthood. So we come, when we withdraw, we're connecting with him, we're ministering to him as part of our relationship to him. Our prayers and our offering as um, our prayers and our worship as an offering to the Lord. And so one thing that's really helped me is that I need to view these times alone with him as a place where I'm ministering to him and I'm giving something to him. In the process, yes, I receive and I receive revelation and I receive um, comfort, but there is something about us and also collectively when we gather here together, that's why worship is so important, that we are, we are um, ministering to the heart of God. And as you do this and you bring him that praise and that worship, you enter the presence of God and you are filled with his love. And that gives you the capacity to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength and your mind. Um, I've had to look at this again, becoming a mum, because as many of you would know, finding long chunks of time um, is difficult. It's difficult when you're a mum and and there's been... um, There's a lot of grace, I think, for um, us as we try and juggle that and we work that out with him. Um, But it is possible. And there's a rhythm that you can find and it's asking that just between you and the Holy Spirit, what does that rhythm look like for you? I was really inspired by um, Susanna Wesley, who was Charles Wesley's uh, mother, who um, Charles Wesley started the Methodist Church Movement and um, I have one child. She had 10. Well, she, actually, she had 19, but nine died in infancy. So she had 10 children. And her um, time alone with God would consist of her sitting in a chair and pulling her apron over her head. And she'd sit like that for two hours a day and, and pray. Um, and the kids knew that when mum had the apron over her head, that was her time with Jesus and that she was praying like hats off to her. That's pretty impressive. But um, it just shows her priority and kind of doing whatever she needed to do to spend that time with God. And if you know much of her story, you know that, you know, that was critical, that she needed the presence of God in her life to help her through things so much. Um, so what would it look like if we shaped our life around the prior, priority of being in his presence rather than the other way, rather than 
sorting everything else out and then putting that there. But what if we shaped everything else around the priority of actually being in his presence? Um, God gave me a word at the beginning of this year um, and I've just been really hungering after an encounter with him um, that would just shake my very core. Um, and uh, he gave me the word November rain. It's like Guns N' Roses song, I think. Um, but <laughs> I'm just believing in my life for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit um, that's going to just flood over me in, and, and just kind of propel me into, in, into everything. And I just... You know, but that doesn't mean that I don't pursue a, a daily relationship with God. Like I'm believing for that encounter, but as I'm pursuing that intimacy with him every day, it's like that hunger is growing more and more. Um, and the, I've heard someone say it's the hungry that get fed. It's it's the hungry that get fed. So it's in that place um, that I just am desiring to be filled by his love. So I just want to share um, a few things that, have helped me um, with this and entering his presence um, this year. They're, they're just a couple of things that have really um, helped me. And one of those things is, it might sound really simple, but I think you need to be, um, you need a place where you can be free um, and somewhere quiet and alone. And look, Susanna Wesley managed to do it with her kids running around her. That's amazing. <laughs> but I know for me, um, you know, build. I heard Bill Johnson say he dedicates the first hour or so of his time with God just in praise and worship. And so for me, I need a, a place where I can be free to express God how I want and to explore that adoration and that praise in absolute freedom. And, and I need to kind of do that alone because sometimes the Lord will lead you to do funny things or you might shout out or you might whatever it is but just that time to be alone and to express that through whatever way he puts on your heart um you know cafes are great and I'm like probably speaking more to my generation like we love doing this in cafes and they're great for journaling and reading and all of that but there is something about really withdrawing to an alone place where you feel free to express your love for God in whatever way that is my other thing is if you don't know where to start in that time, thank him. Um, what I've found is just as that psalm says, that is the best way to enter into his presence. Um, and what I find also is by thanking him, it helps me come into contact with the heart of God, the will of God. And it is also a beautiful cure for anxiety and fear that often sometimes we'll bring into those times with God. Um, the other thing is, this journey takes time. I think it takes time learning to, to um, be in his presence. And distraction, is it's really a battle. And so it's finding the things that help you overcome those distractions. So for me, it's something really small. But in my journal, I because often when I like am waiting upon God, I don't know, a thought will pop into my head like I have to text this person back or I have to do this or I have to buy this for Joey. And I have a little box in the corner of my journal and I just write that thing down. And it's like a physical way of saying, okay, that distraction is kind of like out of my mind and I'll deal with that later. Um, or you could just imagine yourself giving that thing to Jesus. Whatever it is, you have to find your rhythm um, to kind of put those distractions because the enemy doesn't want us to, to find the key because this is the key to life. <laughs> this is the key to everything when we get this right, the intimacy with, with Jesus. 
The other thing um, and the last thing that's really helped me is get inspired by other people's intimacy and hunger for God. Um, I'm reading this book at the moment. Um, It's called Defining Moments and it's God Encounters with Ordinary People Who Changed the World. And it's just... um, yeah, it's just reading about their stories and the way that um, their encounters with God have changed so much and that has just propelled me into the secret place so much. Um, and so we have these heroes of the faith. We have these testimonies that are there to inspire us and challenge us. So um, I'd encourage you to read something like that that just inspires you to do that. Um, so as I said before, I just encourage you to view this time of um alone with him as ministry to him. Ask in those times, Lord, what can I bring you? What can I offer you? How can I how can I love you in these times? Um, as the passage goes on, it says the second commandment in this passage is to love your neighbour as yourself. And all I really want to say about this is as you develop a lifestyle of worship and intimacy with Jesus, you will find the capacity to love those around you. You will find yourself seeing past cultural and social um, and religious divisions. And like Jesus did, you will probably find yourself discipling people that you may have previously disregarded. Um, we, we see this command um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind also referred to in Luke chapter 10. And in that particular passage, when Jesus says, says this, after that command, he says, do this and you will live. This is the path to life. There is, this is the only way to life. And part of this series is then understanding how we disciple others because we want to disciple people on the path to life. And so we have to consider consider whether we are actually discipling people in their primary call to love God with their intimacy with God or do we sometimes focus on the second but fail to address the first because they're only going to get the capacity to do the second by understanding the first because if we don't disciple people in growing with intimacy with God I guarantee you um, and if we just focus on how they can serve They will serve hard for several months, really, really hard, and then they will get burnt out and exhausted. Jesus was really clear. This is the most important. And the second is this. Now, that doesn't mean that loving your neighbour is any, um, that we don't focus on it at all. But I've just been convicted that in my discipleship with others, am I focusing on their intimacy with Jesus? Because that's where everything has to start. Um, Chrissy at the women's gathering was talking about um, loving others in in the context of, you know, praying for the sick and sharing your faith and stepping out in courage. And she said something so, so important. And she said it has to be compelled by love. And there was such a weight on that that morning. It's like God was just bringing us back to the heart of that. It has to be compelled by love. It cannot be compelled by anything else or it just... It's not sustainable. So our church gatherings um, and our community here and our discipleship of other people in following Jesus has to give space for people to enter the presence of God and to be filled with his love. That's the only sustainable way. It's the path to life that, that Jesus calls us on. 
Just to finish, I want to read a testimony um, from a guy called Sandy Miller. Um, some of you may know him, but he's one of the most influential and respected Anglican vicars um, of his generation. He built up Holy Trinity Brompton, HTB Church in the UK, um, and they started the Alpha Course. Um, he, I heard this guy speak at Northside Baptist Church, I don't know, four years ago, and he was this beautiful um elderly man and he just led this time of us learning to sing to God in the spirit in praise and worship um, and it was quite a, a special special night for me but he I just want to share one of his testimonies he says this some years ago I was at a conference in California we had a wonderful evening and the spirit of God had been moving all over the place when it was over I went for a long walk along the ocean as I was walking, I caught up with the excitement of all that lay ahead and just the thrill of the Spirit of God. I was saying, Lord, I will give you anything you want. I will do anything you want me to do. And I confess I rather immodestly listed one or two things that I thought he might want me to do to contribute to the kingdom of God. I can honestly claim to have only heard the Lord speak about three times in this way, but as clearly as I have ever heard him speak, he said, all I want is you. I found that really hard to take because I can cope with people who are cross with me, offended or upset. What, it, what is much harder is to see this love from Jesus and yet we let him down again and again and all he wants is all, all of us. It was the most humbling thing. I thought, oh, Lord, is that really right? We have got ourselves so worried. We see our value to God in terms of our ministry or our contribution, our this or our that. When we think about it honestly, on our knees, we really can't think of anything that would be much value to him who owns everything in the world. He can raise up people out of the stones if he wants them. He can do anything he likes, but all he wants is you. And so I just felt the Spirit of God wanting to bring us back to the heart of why we do what we do. It's our primary and our first calling to love him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind. And there's this beautiful invitation this morning just to come to him again just to come to him again, just how you are. Um, and I was reminded in, in worship of, you know, in Genesis, um, when I think um, God is walking in the cool of the day um, with Adam and Eve, and there's just that beautiful picture of how he originally um, created things to be in that relationship and just walking with God. And he's just inviting us back to that and reminding us that that is the heart of everything. And so I'd encourage you, will you respond to him by just positioning yourself in the presence of the one who is love? That is the only way that we will find our capacity to love him in this way. And the invitation is there and we're all welcome and we're all invited. So um, I might invite Adam up and um, we, might just, we might just stand and I might pray for us. I just want to encourage you, um, if you just want to do something this morning, um, just as a sign of, 
um, just offering yourself again to the Lord. Just want to give you the space to do that um, as I pray. Um, you might want to just hold out your, your hands to him or um, you might want to go up the back and pray and just have that time um, just hearing what he's saying into your life. But I would just encourage you in the stillness of, of this moment as, as I pray, just to offer yourself um, again again to him. So, Lord Jesus, we just... Um, we thank you that in some ways you make it really, really simple for us. Lord, that you just um, just desire our hearts and desire our love above everything else. And Lord, we thank you that it's the Holy Spirit that pours out your love. So Lord, I just ask now that your Holy Spirit would just rest upon our hearts. that you would just remind us of the love that you have for us, Lord. And Lord, where we've doubted that love or questioned that love, we just, um, just want to declare that that is being given to us by what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection. And so we are free to come to you this morning. And so, Holy Spirit, we want to say, um, yeah, Lord, would, would you just give us the capacity to love? And as a community, we just want to say to you, Lord, that we love you. And we want to grow in our love for you so that we, we can't live without it. So that it's the heartbeat of absolutely every little thing that we do. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way. Amen.